Minnesota. Welcome back, everyone, for week five of our summer course on the five spiritual faculties. So we'll begin, as we often do, doing the three refuge chant slowly and connecting the chanting with our heart's deepest aspiration. And I know that can, uh, just in our world these days, that there's so much superficiality and nihilism, it can almost feel awkward for me to say that phrase, you know, our heart's deepest aspiration. Um, But I think it's worthwhile, you know, in the privacy of our own heart and mind in trusted groups, I think it's really important to reflect honestly about what we're doing with our life, what feels like the appropriate aspiration for our life, just to get by, just to get to Friday, just to, you know, whatever we might tend to think. And then it's nice, I mean, it's interesting But it is how the mind works, like when we act on our deepest aspiration, it, uh, it strengthens. We get a little clearer and it, it, it's like a refuge from the, uh, other habits we have to pursue things that maybe may come with some pleasantness, but ultimately don't make much of a difference, you know, whatever it might be the kind of ordinary pursuit of pleasant experience. Again, it's not that that's bad, but it doesn't really change things much. And uh, we've studied faith, as you know, uh, a couple weeks ago in the beginning part of the summer course, and I'll, I'll share a discourse a little bit later, but the Buddha likens faith in this simile to this post that is sort of the foundation of this fortress that town has built, let's imagine. And the fortress begins by putting a large post deeply rooted in the ground so that it's this, like we can count on the strength, you know, just like you watch construction sites these days when they have those hydraulic systems that pound those huge, I don't know if they're I-beams or whatever, they pound into the ground, deep into the ground, until they're you know, dozens of feet down, and there's something solid. And this is that sense of um, a counterweight to all of our superficial desires and attractions in our heart. We don't have to like try to get rid of them. We just want something that has a different flavor, a different appearance. Like, no, 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 this is what really is important. This is what really matters. This capacity like to be in the world free of fear and free of hate, free of throwing <coughs> things out of our heart like that. It's a radical thing, you know, to be in the world and to actually be open to the way that it is in that loving and wise way. It's really a radical thing. Can we aspire to that? 
So this is the thing about the three refuges. I mean, it is nice just on that superficial level to sing for three minutes together like we do. But the point is actually to have this physical activity of chanting or singing together connected with our deepest aspiration, as fumbly as that might be for you. Because then it, we're kind of doing something that's secret and that we're maybe a little uncertain or even strangely ashamed of, like that we have a deep aspiration. And we're kind of making it public in a way, in community. And it, it changes it. And you can just see for yourself what that does for you. So let's do our chant. Adjustments you need. 
finding the curiosity, the interest. That sense that the mystery, the path, and the fruition of the path, it's all here, hidden maybe, because of habits. But in our early Buddhist practice, reality is actually our devotional object. So in a maybe strange way, just because we're not used to talking this way, this ritual of sitting up in a relaxed, relatively upright manner and remembering to recognize awareness, present moment awareness. This is our sacred activity, devotional activity. And we're making the effort to abandon, prevent qualities of mind that aren't helpful right now, like thinking what I'm going to do later, worrying about something that happened earlier in the day. Because we're in the midst of this sacred activity Opening, connecting, receiving, being, abiding with reality. It's really the reality of suffering and the release from suffering. This is what we find here and now in the present moment. We find suffering or tightness and the releasing of that tightness. And in a sense, these are the only two things that are relevant in the present moment. Suffering and its release. Here and now, Uh, Theoretically, (coughs) and the Buddha and the Buddhist teachings, and most importantly, our own experiences along the way, they exist as these reminders that suffering, the heart being bound up in subtle or not so subtle ways, that that's an option. There's an alternative to being bound up. And not wanting to be bound up isn't the way for release. It's getting interested, 
and understanding more deeply the experience of being bound up and the experience of releasing, all of which is happening here and now in the body, in the heart and mind. And we have our dear, trusted friend, awareness, mindful awareness, this capacity to remember that this is being known, this experience of the mind and body is being known. And in our practice, it's the is being known that's more important than what it is that's being known. So sitting is being known. Or not liking the pain in my knee is being known. Or thinking that I'm confused, that I don't know what I'm doing, that experience of doubt is being known. This is a profound insight that we can eventually have in our bones, but initially we just need to understand it or stay open to it on this intellectual level. That what's actually here and now, it's more about the is being known than it is about the object or the experience that's being known. But this is a profound switch from the habits of the mind to be fixated on the object that's being known and all of its opinions and reactions to the experience that's being known. The mind is trainable. So especially tonight as we're reflecting on this third faculty of sati, mindfulness, awareness. Let's have our sitting practice. Let's have it keep coming back to the recognition that whatever it is that's being known, that it is being known. So that's what we're keeping in mind, that it is being known. Some activity of the body or the mind is being known. But of course we need the object, the particular experience that's being known, in order to recognize that it is being known. So it's not like we're disconnecting from the objects of the present moment. It's a way actually being more real, more intimate. Because that's actually what's happening. It's being known. Now this is being known. And the emphasis again is on the being known. The awareness. We're remembering that experience is being known. And you can use a meditation phrase when that's helpful, when that's needed. Or you can do this in a more silent way without 
the need for phrases or words in your mind. But one way or another, we're learning to keep in mind the knowing, the awareness. And we just do our best. Be creative, try different approaches as needed. So let's continue in silence now. Remember, we're not telling the mind what it is that's being known. 
we're recognizing in the moment that some experience, whatever it might be, whatever's predominant, we're recognizing that it is being known. So it's not a controlled thing. We're not controlling our experience. We're recognizing something about our experience, that it's being known. We're remembering to recognize that our experience, some experience, is being known.
and remembering that any experience will do that recognizing that this is being known or being felt and the emphasis is on this is being known it's like this and there's that implied sense can this be okay that this is being known this experience is something being known can that be okay that it's something being known or something being felt and that in, also includes like some reaction you might be having oh this reaction is what's being known or felt can that be okay that this reaction is being known and in a sense with this emphasis on is being known, we sense it as a kind of refuge that creates a sense of equanimity or space. So when there is that question, can this be okay? There can be that intuitive sense, yeah, yeah, it's okay, that it's like this, that this is being known.
remember again. Just doing our best to keep the knowing in mind. Subtle. But we don't need the moment to be different than it is, because in any moment, something is being known. So we're remembering to recognize that something is being known. And we're interested in the is being known part of the experience. We're keeping that in mind as best we can. And on your own then sense what that strengthening of sati, of mindful awareness, what comes with that? Is it wholesome? Does it does it appear to be onward leading to more release, more freedom in the moment? Or does it seem to be a cause for stress? One problem that meditators have with this kind of practice is they want to tell the mind what it's knowing instead of recognizing what it is that the mind is knowing. And that can make this practice frustrating and not helpful. We have to notice what the mind is knowing. Sometimes we call that what's predominant. What is it that the mind is knowing or feeling now? Oh, that's what's being known. So for just another couple minutes. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.